0: Just take a moment and say thank you for the blessings that you have blessed us with. We're thankful for the things that we can see. Lord, that when you do answer prayers, and the fact that we've actually been praying for something that you have wanted to accomplish, Lord, we thank you. And we thank you for teaching us. We thank you for your patience with us. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen sometimes I would like to call Jonah the teenage prophet, but uh, what Jonah did is not limited to teenagers, by the way. And if you have a problem finding that little book, you got Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and then Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk, he's stuck right there in the Minor prophets—they're not minor because they're unimportant or underage. Amen. Uh, they are simply minor because they are usually shorter than uh, the rest of the longer prophets. And Jonah was one of the strangest of all God's prophets. Uh, his main claim to fame is not his preaching. He didn't enjoy it. Uh, he did have a great revival, but his main claim to being a prophet of God was his disobedience to God. Now, how would you like to go down in history that the most well-known part of your life was the fact that you disobeyed God? Wouldn't that be good? Uh, We don't want to end up like Jonah. Uh, I still laugh in my mind. There used to be a song that was, I don't want to be a Jonah and be swallowed by a fish. And one of my kids was trying to get that and he knew that uh, we don't swallow Jonah's, and so he changed the words, I don't want to be a donut uh, and be swallowed by a fish. Uh, I can't remember which one that was. i uh, trying not to embarrass him. But uh, the word uh, came of the Lord, in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, And of course, we don't need to, we do this often, but you say, why doesn't the word of the Lord come to me like it came to Jonah? Well, very simple, it's all written down. It, it has come to you. Um, and when you turn on the TV and you find one of those people that says, The word of the Lord came to me and told me somebody has a headache, turn it off. Uh, it is not the word of the Lord. Uh, The Bible had not been finished. God still gave His Word by direct revelation and He comes to Jonah. And you would think that if God actually showed up and spoke to you personally, you'd do something. And I've heard preachers criticize Jonah. God actually came and He talked to Jonah and Jonah didn't do what God said. Well, I want to encourage... You, when is the last time you knew what the word of the Lord said and you didn't do it? about yesterday? The day before? uh, This is a common ailment of Christians. Now, God was going to make Jonah pay a price. And I'd like for us to just kind of skip ahead in the story a little bit, because I want us to think about one main verse in the story of Jonah today. And let's go down to verse 8 of chapter 2. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. You know, have you ever wondered why Jonah had such an attitude all the way through the book? He didn't want to go where God wanted him to go. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. Finally, God made it impossible for him to do anything but what God wanted him to do. And Jonah went and did it. And then he sat down and got a stiff lower lip and pouted after God had done great and wonderful things. I want you to think about this thing called mercy. This was part of Jonah's prayer of repentance. He said, they that, for, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And that mercy that we forsake is not only God's mercy toward others, but it's God's mercy toward us too. And there's where Jonah ended up. And sometimes we will end up in a position where we're just not happy with what God's doing. And if that is ever the case, the red warning lights ought to go off, the sirens ought to be sounding, and we ought to be looking for the lying vanities that we're observing. You know, we went through the book of Ecclesiastes a little while ago. It was an encouraging study. Uh... Uh, The book of Ecclesiastes has so many things that we need today, but our world is full of vanity, is it not? And when you get something that's actually nothing, it's going to mess things up, especially when you're paying attention to it. And here is the book of Jonah, and let's just take a moment and, and get through the story here, because every part of the story is part of this. God comes to Jonah, and he tells Jonah, in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now, how many of you know what the modern day name of Nineveh is? It's been in the news this past week. Mosul, the Taliban or whoever it is just retook that city uh, last week or the week before and uh, things are not going with there, well there. In fact, uh, several years ago, while the uh, war was still going on, a group of preachers were over there and they decided to go sightseeing toward Mosul and uh, they were attacked and one of those preachers gave his life while they were over there trying to train uh, and teach Iraqi preachers and and that how to minister. And so, uh, Nineveh has always been a really bad area for people that love God. Still is today. And Jonah was told to go there. And we skip ahead here. And let's go down to chapter 4 and look at verse 2. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Oh, wait a minute. There was a conversation there in verse 2 that didn't get recorded until chapter 4. Here's what Jonah said. Uh, For I knew that thou art art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Now, doesn't that describe God so well? He's a great God. He's a gracious God. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's kind. And he takes his judgment. You know, God delights in taking his judgment that is aimed at a soul, a nation, the world in general, and turning that away from them and saying, I will not execute my judgment. God delights in that. That's what Jonah is saying right here. He said, you're the kind of God that delights in not punishing people. And yet, since you were a little child, what have you heard about the God of the Bible? Is anybody here old enough to remember the Ziggy cartoons? He's always got the lightning bolt coming down out of heaven and frying everything to little crispy critters. And, and uh, Ziggy was quite famous for having that happen all the time. And every once in a while, somebody will say, "Uh, oh, oh, I'm going to get back. Lightning might strike. Somebody's doing... That's not the God of the Bible. Now, I'll tell you what, uh, I never have been a Catholic, never was a part of that organization, but I've heard enough stories that uh, the, uh, the Catholic, God's like that. In fact, one of the prayers is that uh, I'll get run over on my way out from confession so I get to go straight to heaven. And, and of course, that's a joke. But, you know, why would we joke about God's judgment? When the true God of the Bible is gracious and kind and loves to repent of the evil, he loves to take that judgment and turn it from doing its destructive work in the lives of individuals. And Jonah said, I knew that's the kind of God you were and the God you are, and I didn't want to take your blessings to my enemies. Now, boy, that would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? If you take God's blessings to your enemies, and they love God, and you love the same God, how are you going to fight among each other? You see, we'd rather hold on to our animosity than have God take away the strife that's human nature and Jonah was not ignorant of what God was going to do and God had already given intimations and prophecies through guys like Isaiah and things that those Assyrians were going to come into the land of Israel by the way that's where Jonah was from And they were going to destroy the land, and the Assyrians were not kind people. Uh, They did not need to use handcuffs. Uh, They didn't do that. Read the prophet. They they would just literally take a hook and hook you up and drag you. And by the way, you went where they wanted you to go. I mean, they were vicious and cruel people. And, And Jonah said, Listen, God... If I go there with your word, something good's going to happen to those people and I don't want it. You're too good of a God. You're too good for them. I'm leaving. And Jonah wanted God to destroy them, not to bless them. And the thing that we've got to understand here out of the book of Jonah is God's mercy for Israel was also God's mercy for Nineveh because God is no respecter of persons Amen and so we know Jonah's attempt I like the way one preacher put it he went down to Joppa he went down in the boat He went down in the water. He went down in the fish's belly. But then he came up. Amen? He came up the hard way. You see, God stopped Jonah. Now, sometimes I wonder if this is where John Calvin hatched his plan of Calvinism, was by reading uh, the prophet Jonah, how that God just made Jonah do what he wanted him to do. And, of course, we don't know where John Calvin got Calvinism from. I'm not even sure that he would recognize the Calvinism of today or claim it. But uh, the simple truth of the matter is, God can make you do things. We are people who are very controlled. We've got a clock at the back of the auditorium. I've got one on my wrist just to make sure the one in the back of the auditorium is working. Uh, In case I wonder what time it is, I have one on my phone. There's one on the dashboard, uh, on the monitor of my computer. I mean, we are surrounded by time. Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and you couldn't find out what time it was and you're just sitting there going, Am I supposed to be up? Am I supposed to be asleep? I'm I, totally disoriented. Time is really important. What comfort is there in waking up in the middle of the night and seeing that it is 3.52 in the morning? I mean, wouldn't you rather be ignorant of that fact? No, you wouldn't. Because the way our little minds were, oh, I can go back to sleep. On the other hand, if it were 8.52 in the morning, you'd be going, No! And running all over the house and trying to get ready and trying to do all these things. Imagine being Jonah without any concept of time. You know, one of the things that they do to break down the will of God prisoners in interrogation military things is they will take a light bulb and they will put it in their room and keep it burning 24 hours and they will keep them away from any way of knowing what time it is now they used to in the old days put you in the dark but they deemed that as torture and so now they do it with the lights on but could I challenge you that uh, Thomas Edison, with all of his great inventions, still has not found a way to wire the inside of the great fish that swallowed Jonah. Amen? And so he was in total darkness, three days, three nights. Don't, don't try this at home. But I want to challenge you that three days and three nights in total darkness without any way of knowing the time or any reference would be about as close to eternity as any one of us would ever want to be. And how long could God have kept Jonah alive down there? Well, of course, we know the answer as long as he wanted to. But three days and three nights was long enough and finally Jonah is realizing that going to Nineveh is not near as bad as being where he is right now. And there's only one chance of getting out of where I am right now and that is God. And so I'm going to pray Someone said there is no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, and we know that. But my favorite will always be, as long as there are tests, there will be prayer in schools, right? Uh, People want God to help them when they're in a jam. And it's amazing to me as it's worded in our uh, beloved Bible here. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And so as Jonah is there all cramped up in the belly of that great fish, apparently there was enough air to breathe. But how many of you have ever swallowed something that just didn't want to digest? And I mean, you getting cramps and your belly's moving and you can feel all the powers of your uh, digestive system, trying to erase that undigestible tidbit that has gotten lodged in your system. I mean, I do feel sorry for the fish. I mean, there, there cannot be anything worse than an out of will, out of God's will, sour Baptist preacher stuck in the fish's digestive system. I mean, what, what worse could you, could you imagine anything worse And that poor fish is having to go through that agony because God wants Jonah to take his mercy to a people that Jonah doesn't want to take it to. And so Jonah prays and in the end of his prayer there, he talks about how that God had put him in affliction in verse 2 and into the deeps of the sea. And that God can't see him down there. And some preachers have preached that Jonah even died and God resurrected him. And I don't think that God had to kill Jonah. If if he had, Jonah wouldn't be praying. And uh, Jonah is down there and he is suffering and he, he thinks that he's going to be there forever. And he understands a little bit about his problem. He says in verse 7 When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observed lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. I want to challenge you how long does it take? For your soul to faint within you. That's why Jonah was down there. God said, "Jonah, you're going to have to give up." Jonah, I'm not going to let that uh, that attitude and, and and that wickedness of you of yours prolong. And we have Jonah saying understand this and of course we know that the Holy Spirit was giving him the words he said I've been observing lying vanities you know is it right for me to hold a grudge and hatred toward this people that you want to show mercy to now we'll find out that Jonah's victory was only temporary because that attitude's going to come back. And it's going to come back with a vengeance. And Jonah is going to be miserable until he gets this thing right. And so the fish vomits Jonah up on the dry land. And I've always wondered where that was. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us. But I just have a sneaking suspicion that it was very close to the very place where Jonah got on the boat. Uh, You know, sometimes God gives us an opportunity, a second chance, to do right. God doesn't always give us a second chance. But He gave Jonah one. And Jonah staggered up on the beach and before he was able to dry off Something else came the second time. The word of the Lord came back to Jonah that second time. And it says, arise, verse 2 of chapter 3, Go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and none of us shall be overthrown. Can you just hear the love in that message? Can you hear the the mercy of the Lord? And I always like to think of what Jonah would have looked like and smelled like uh, after coming out of the fish's belly for three days. I'll bet his skin was all different colors from the acid in the fish's belly trying to eat him. And I'll I'll bet he had a little bit of a green tinge for real, not the kind you get when you feel sick. But, I mean, I'll bet he looked green. Uh, It says the weeds were wrapped around his head. And I'll bet Jonah smelled like something that you'd never, ever want to smell again. And he comes walking in through that great city, and the Bible says he gets in about a day's journey, and he starts saying, You got 40 days to live. Wow. But the people listen. And they believe that Jonah was a prophet of God, all the way to the king's house and said, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn from, away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Now, where did the people of Nineveh get this idea that not eating and praying was going to avail with God? Now, that's an interesting question. And I wish there was a definitive answer in the Word of God. But it could only be from two places. Number one, maybe Jonah's sermon was just a little longer than you got 40 days to live before God destroys you. Uh, That's what I believe. And they cried mightily unto God because other religions fast and pray as well. Other religions do much of the very same things. But it's interesting how they said, Turn, from, turn every man from his wicked way, every one from his evil way, and from the violence that is in his hands. Several years ago, we had a guy visit our church with a group, and they did um, mime acting. And uh, he said, well, we want to come to New York City, and we've trained, and we want to do this. And I, I knew... Uh, his father much more than I knew him, and and I said, well, I said, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give you a place to camp out and work. And I said, I'm not quite sure about this mime thing. Uh, I'm not sure that I want really want that identified with our church. And and uh, I said, but you can come and stay in the building. And he said, oh, that's all we want. That's really what we need. And 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 so I finally asked him, I said, what is the purpose of this? And he said, we have designed these skits so that people can understand about their sin. And I looked at him and I said, do you understand where you are? He said, well, what do you, I said, this is New York City. If there is one thing people don't need instruction about, it's about sin. I said, We know everything there is to know. In fact, we invented here. Uh, not for the first time, but anything that's new, guess where? It comes from here, doesn't it? And, and, and I said, You know, that's not what people need to know about. How many of you remember before you were saved? Did you have to have somebody explain to you what sin was? Now, you knew what what it was. In fact, if you were an adult and you were living in sin and living against God, and you had any sensitivity at all, or when God awakened that sensitivity toward Him and His holiness in your life, guess what you did? You felt bad. About your sin. I mean, read what it says. That uh, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. And then it goes on through all of those things. The Holy Spirit of God convicts us of sin. That's part of His job. Amen? And He convicts sinner and saved alike. And so, when Jonah explained that God's judgment was coming, it didn't take a whole lot for them to figure out why. And they repented. And God took pleasure in turning His judgment from Nineveh. They had, from what we understand, they had about another hundred and fifty years because of the preaching of Jonah before God's judgment came and destroyed the city of Nineveh. And its remnants are still out there in the Iraqi desert, just a little way from the modern city of Mosul. It's there. But nobody lives in Nineveh today because God's judgment came. And Jonah sits up on a hill and looks over the city says, well, are you going to do it, God? Are you going to blow them up? Forty days. I'm going to wait here until I see if God's judgment will come or not. And God tries to get Jonah's attention. And the saddest part about the book of Jonah is we're not really sure that God ever got it. You know, when you choose... To observe lying vanities, you forsake your own mercy. Meaning, you have no mercy on others. But, you also forsake God's mercy on you, because He gives you personal mercy from Him for your sins. Amen? He he will reconcile us through His mercy, and when we observe lying vanities, not only are we unable to be merciful to others, guess what? We're unable to receive God's mercy in our own souls. And I think we could echo the words of the Apostle Paul of all men most miserable. We, we need to look at Jonah. He is one of those mysteries, paradoxes, Enigmas in Scripture. And and God never really resolves it. And I believe one of the reasons God never fully resolves it is because He wants you and I to look at Jonah's story and say, wait a minute, I don't ever want to get there. I want to get this thing right before I get where Jonah is. And there's an awful lot of misery in the lives of people who know God. Why? Well, according to Jonah, we've let some lying vanity come in and become part of our relationship with God. And it destroys our mercy to others and it destroys our ability to receive God's mercy. Lord willing, no one in this room will be as chronic a situation as Jonah was in. But if we get anything out of the book of Jonah at all, it ought to be this. God is really, really, really concerned with this flow of mercy in our lives. And It's a real easy thing to disrupt. But it's a very difficult thing to repair. But God's in the mercy fixing business. Amen? And God will. But one of the reasons why I think Jonah's left, the book is left where it is, is because God is not under any obligation. He doesn't have to fix it. You know what? You'll still go to heaven. Jonah was still a prophet. Jonah was still used of God. Even though he was miserable in all of these things. What did Nehemiah say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I just would ask you to take a few moments during this week and to think about this. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy because it's an easy place to get and a really hard place to get out of. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You and Lord, we know that You've put the book of Jonah in here for many, many reasons. One of them was to be a picture, a, a sign of the work of Jesus Christ Himself. But Lord... I ask that you would challenge us to look in our own lives, in our hearts, and Lord, that we would realize that these lying vanities just kind of seep in through the cracks. Uh, They're just something that we pick up and not even know that we have. And yet, Lord, it can rob us of so much of the joy and blessings that you have for us. Lord, I would just ask that you would give us grace, that you would give us wisdom, not to look at our neighbors, but to look in our own lives, and Lord, that we would make sure that we are a willing receptor of God's mercy, that we can pass it on to those that you put us in contact with. Help us, Lord, to love you and to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep our heads bowed. We won't even play the piano tonight. We'll just keep it quiet. If you need to just slip out of your seat, you don't have to be in Jonah's situation to need to pray about this. We would hope you'd pray about it long before you got where Jonah was. And let's just look at what the Lord will do in our hearts.